0: Hey, everybody. I'm your host, Gene Marks, and this is season two of the Paychecks Business Series podcast. I'm a certified public accountant and regular business columnist for a bunch of publications you probably know, like The Guardian, The Hill, Philadelphia Inquirer, Forbes, and Entrepreneur. But most importantly, I'm a small business owner of a financial and technology management services company. And I've teamed up with Paychex, the leading provider of human resources, payroll benefits, and insurance services to bring you real-life stories and advice from real life business owners and experts. Last season, we talked about the challenges associated with COVID-19, and this season we're focusing on moving forward innovating and navigating the road to recovery. I am very happy to have on our podcast today, Rebecca Jarvis. Rebecca is the chief business, economics, and technology correspondent for ABC News and the host and creator of the Dropout podcast, which chronicles the rise and fall of Theranos founder, Elizabeth Holmes. She was also a finalist on season four of The Apprentice. We are going to have no time to talk about that, Rebecca. That, that could be an entire segment on its own. <laughs> i 'm really glad you're here. glad that you're joining us and taking out the time and um, and and thank you so
1: yeah, thank you gene
0: let's get to it. I have some some questions to ask you and get your viewpoints today and and again, this podcast will air shortly after we've recorded this but um you know retail sales numbers came out today, which were pretty strong overall. Uh, remember, you know our audience are small business owners, Rebecca so What do you think this means for retail and for small retailers? Do you think we're heading into a good holiday season? Well,
1: I think it's been a transformational time these last seven months for all businesses and in particular for small businesses. And I'm sure there are small businesses listening right now. I talk to them all the time who may not have had an online presence pre-COVID and now they do and it might be uh, going even better. Business might be even stronger. One of the things in my reporting that I came across, especially in the early days where there were so many supply constraints and consumers were shopping online in droves and trying to get their things delivered within a handful of days, small businesses were really able to meet that demand. Um, They could move faster than some of the big companies out there. And I really commend the small businesses who have had to do things that are transformational, have had to make some of the hardest choices, but many are now doing uh, quite well. And I would say that it really depends frankly, on what kind of small business you are. If you're a restaurant and a hotel chain or a travel provider, it's still a really, really tricky road out there. However, if you're a retailer, one of the benefits for online retail, and we've seen this coming out of Prime Day for example, is the fact that there is pent up demand Right. And where consumers did not spend money going to movies or restaurants or traveling, those who have jobs have potentially more disposable income now because of that pent up demand than they had coming into this pandemic. And if they feel a sense of confidence that the job that they're in right now is here to stay, then that's that bodes pretty well um, for the holidays. And and Coresight Research took a look at what their expectations are for this holiday season, and they expect to see over a million dollars in sales, a lot more going online. And that would be up about 5% from last year's holiday shopping. The other thing, Jean, that is potentially going to benefit some of the online retailers and and also bricks and mortar is that this year, the holiday shopping season has really kicked off in October because of Amazon Prime Day moving from the summer now to October, and then a lot of other retailers following um, in those footsteps. And that could mean that people spend a little extra money over the holidays because it's spread out over a longer period of time. We also have to see how people are feeling the closer we get to Christmas and Hanukkah and the new year, because when we get closer this year, it's going to be harder to do that last minute shopping, especially if you have uh, coronavirus spiking in areas and you have any kinds of new shutdowns. We already saw what happened, like I just said, earlier in the virus where a lot of places that used to be able to guarantee shipping over the course of a few days had to really stretch things out because their workforces were stretched and it just was impossible to get things out as quickly. So people, the consumer will have to be thinking earlier this year about how they're going to spend their money
0: you know it's funny you mentioned pent-up demand and you, you've got to be feeling the same way like you know we've been working a lot from home um and going out just you know less frequently i mean i know our savings have gone up a little bit and i, I think i saw that personal savings um in the u.s the, the savings rate itself has has increased substantially yeah. um, since covid and yet you know we're americans so we like to blow money on a lot of different things and i, I kind of feel like you know when the economy continues to open up um, I do feel like consumers, you know, are going to continue to spend. I think this holiday season could be strong. Does that does that make sense?
1: Yeah, I, I do think it makes sense. I also think, um, you know, what we're talking about here also has to do with that letter K, where you may have heard K-shaped recovery, yeah. and it it really is for many a tale of two recoveries. If you have a job, if you have a job, and you received a stimulus check and nothing else in your finances have really changed over the last handful of months other than the fact that you have watched. Maybe you felt a sense of caution, but you certainly weren't going out as much. You, as a result of that, have a little more disposable cash on the sidelines than you had prior to the pandemic. Now, if you are out of work, if you've been out of work, and some of those added benefits that were available under the CARES Act have now expired, Or you've run out of unemployment because you've been out of work for more than six months, there's a very different perspective there um, about where the economy is today. And there are certainly millions of Americans who are feeling that. Eight million Americans um, have fallen into poverty since the start of this crisis. So I think it can be, you know, just from a a macroeconomic perspective, I think it can be a little deceiving to see the money flowing into retail that we are seeing and then think, well, everything is good. Well, yes, there are improvements and and that is positive, but there's also a huge category of Americans who have not felt the recovery um, yet. I I do think the point you made earlier about the savings rate increasing, and we're also seeing the uh, amount of debt pay down increasing, I am so thankful to see that because I think if you have the ability to get your financial house in order, that freedom that you feel as a result of doing it is it's untouchable. There's nothing like it. And I work with a lot of people with debt reduction and debt paydown, and it it's very much like your physical health, your financial health. Mm-hmm. It is an ongoing process. You have to stay committed to it. But when you stay committed, and even if you fall off the wagon from time to Time. If you keep that commitment up, there's nothing like having a clean balance sheet and and just knowing that you don't owe, especially the credit card companies who who charge the highest interest, knowing that you don't owe that money is a very freeing thing. It allows you to do things with your time and your energy that you can't do when you're deep in debt
0: next topic you had mentioned amazon and um obviously prime day has been going on two days uh, this week and it's been as usual very successful for amazon rebecca what do you think about amazon and its impact on small business what's your views on amazon
1: well it's a really interesting question um you know this year coming out of prime day amazon touted the fact that independent sellers on their platform and about half the platform is independent sellers that they saw their sales on Prime Day increase. Um, I think it was 60% from the year before. It was, they made $3.5 billion independent sellers. And and Amazon says a lot of those independent sellers are small and medium-sized businesses. So Amazon can certainly be a resource if you are a small or medium-sized business and you put your, you sell on, on the platform. But I, I think it would be, You know, it would go against what I hear directly from small and medium-sized businesses about how to compete with Amazon um, and how difficult it can be to compete with Amazon. One thing I do believe that especially, it might be the pandemic, maybe it's just where we are in time and where the overall culture is shifting, consumers appreciate the value now more of their small businesses, there was almost like, I feel like culturally, there was a moment in time where we sort of got away from that and we rely on big businesses and we don't think twice about it. And and maybe in some ways the pandemic made people a little bit more intentional with their spending. I know I thought a lot about the retailers and the restaurants directly in my neighborhood and I did everything in my power to, and still do to this day, it's, it's not over, uh, to try to make sure that I, if I, have dollars to spend, that I am spending them at places that are in my community, trying to make sure that I preserve that. And I'm hopeful that a lot of people, and I talk to a lot of consumers as well as small businesses about this, I'm hopeful that people will continue to do that. And that may actually be one of the positive outcomes um, of the pandemic, because it's not like Amazon is hurting because people are doing that. Their sales are up 40% this year. It's been a record year for them. The stock is up. So it's certainly not something that's taking a bite out of their business.
0: Fair enough. And, you know, overall e-commerce sales this year are up anywhere from 30 to 45%, depending on where you read. Um, so a lot of small businesses really are pivoting online. Amazon is an option, but there are other options, right? I mean there's
1: yeah there's
0: eBay, there's Craigslist even, right? Facebook market sure.
1: Well and also I think there's there's also the direct to consumer relationship, which I wasn't sure exactly how that was going to look or hold up through the pandemic. But it seems that there are you know depending on what your business is, depending on what you're selling, that direct consumer Relationship can be a really strong one in times of distress because there's a commitment there. There's a certain ownership there among consumers. And if a consumer has a strong relationship and ties to a retail outlet and they're selling you something quality at, at a good price, then consumers right now, what we've been seeing is they are spending on that.
0: Fair enough. All right, next topic. I was going through your Twitter feed, and um, did you did you really watch Emily in Paris on Netflix?
1: <laughs> you know what I did. Um, it's funny. I, I I really enjoyed it. I studied abroad in Paris when I was in college. I got a scholarship, and I put it towards that. But did yeah. you? But,
0: but did you wear a beret?
1: Well, no, not while I was in Paris. I didn't. I did eat a lot of croissants, far more than Emily enjoys on the show. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think she did like have one croissant maybe. I ate about 700 um, during my quarter there. But look, I think actually, I I haven't thought that deeply about it, but I do know a lot of people on social media have given it a lot of thought what happened here and why it was popular, but also um, very divisive. Um, Look- I think that we all are looking for our Kelgon, take me away moments in this (laughs) pandemic. And I think that it's sort of the, forgive me for saying this, but the movable feast of our moment. And there's, you know, when you watch television, or or anything it's it's escapism and i think that it's for me i liked just seeing the sights of paris and feeling like i was on my own little mini vacation to paris with a very light-hearted program in the background it was,
0: it was actually a very beautiful show to look at and i can tell you this much my, my my wife has said that if gabrielle ever made an offer to her she'd leave me in a split second <laughs> um, can- now did you watch it we did every single... I'm a 55-year-old See? man and I watched Emily in Paris See? under duress. Loved it. But like I think, that, I think
1: it's, it's like, it's escapism, right? It I mean, for me, it was kind of like, oh, I can take my like five-minute break <laughs> to Paris and just kind of get... There's there's nothing about Emily in Paris that reminds you of the moment that we're in. So it's the perfect escape, in my I opinion.
0: I agree. All right, back to business here. Uh, Apple released a new iPhone recently and a lot of businesses invest in Apple products and and you know provide iphones for their for their employees and um but but there's been a lot of controversy around it because they're not including um as part of the iphone certain things right like earbuds and uh you know and even a power adapter what are your what are your thoughts on the new iphone
1: my feeling on this one is they are the giant in the room and there will always be when you're the biggest i mean Yes, the, they and and Google, they're, they're both releasing major phones, and people are always sort of comparing and contrasting. And you have your Android lovers, and you have your iOS lovers. But look, I think people are always going to have issues. Um, there are some people, rather, always going to have issues. Um, it's an expensive phone. It's always been an expensive phone. But it's also, you can make the argument, it's probably the thing you use more than any other thing in your life. Um, and so for the people who have to have the latest, greatest, they're always going to be buying it. I think uh, it's been interesting to see Apple sales in light of the pandemic. They've continued to climb. And as people get their home offices set up, those who can, um, going back to products and products with a brand that people absolutely love, that seems to be the power of Apple. And and so many times over, this is a company where Analysts have said they're done. They they can't. Like, they're never going to do anything more. They're never going to be bigger than they are. And then they kind of always fool
0: us. So, two weeks ago, the Department of Labor reported that 865,000 women have left the workforce between August and September. And that's compared to 216,000 men. And Sheryl Sandberg, uh, you know, her lean in organization, Uh, did a joint study with McKinsey. Uh, They recently reported that one in four women are considering downshifting their career or leaving the workplace early. There have been other studies that have come out, Rebecca, because of the pandemic, uh, many women are being left over for promotion as opposed to men. And many women are actually um, thinking twice. There was a study that just came out last week that um, more than 51% of women said they had delayed or scrapped their plans to start a business because of COVID. And I wanted to ask you what, what your thoughts are on how this is all having an impact on not only just women in the workplace, but women entrepreneurs.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's really, really a struggle. And I acknowledge that this time is a struggle for almost everyone, if not everyone, and for different reasons. I hear from women so much. And I there's so many text chains right now on my phone from friends and family members who are really struggling with this because it's not just a question of, has my perspective changed as a result of the pandemic? Have my values adjusted? Do, do I prioritize certain things over others? It's a matter of, I have to deal with a childcare situation that I wasn't managing prior to the pandemic. School from home can be a full-time job. If you're a parent and you have children who are doing school from home, you understand that it's not just sit your kid in front of a computer and talk to them at four o'clock. And as a result of the fact that, by and large, you know, a lot of people have sort of asked me, well, why, why might this be happening? Well, one of the factors is the fact that women do tend to be more of the child care caretakers. But another factor here is compensation. When you have a two-parent household and um, the mom is making less money than the father, then it does make rational sense for the mom to take a step back um, because, She's, she's not foregoing more income, and if you're relying on that income, uh, you're, you're making the choice of which person is making more money, and the person who's making more money stays full-time, and the person who's making less money might stay less time or might even take a full step back. I look at the research out of Lean In and McKinsey that um, Sheryl Sandberg released and a number of other studies, and I think this is something that matters to everyone, not just because it should matter that um, this could set women back. And, and by some of the research, it suggests that progress for women in the workplace, it could set women back a decade. But it also matters because without women in the workforce or the same numbers of women in the workforce, you're missing out on some of that talent. And that talent has definable value. And I've seen research that suggests it could be in the trillions of dollars in Um, ideas and work and execution that if the number of women step away, that one in four statistic from Lean In and McKinsey, that that's a real problem for economic growth going forward. So it is, in my mind, one of these full circle integrated problems, not just a question of does it impact the women and the families involved. And it is my hope that both companies as well as the government will take a look at this and think about how they can help make it more accessible for women. And, and especially, you know I do think there, is, there are certainly questions about health and safety, but we really, as a, as a nation, the issue of schools not being open has weighed so heavily on especially women and mothers. And that is such an important conversation right now that I don't think we're having seriously enough.
0: And anecdotally, I mean, when I speak to my friends that have kids, um, it just seems like women are the ones that are doing the heavy lifting uh, when it comes to the school situation with their kids. And, uh, you know, it's biological and it's gender you know, based. And it's still, I mean, we've come a long way since Mad Men, but there's, certainly, you know, a ways to go. You know, one thing that might be of interest to you is that because I'm a CPA and that same McKinsey also issued a self, separate report to financial services managers and wealth managers that is saying that because of the changes in demographics, um, by 2030, women are expected to control as like much of the 30 trillion in financial assets that the baby boomer population are handing down, 30 trillion. Wow. Uh, right. Right now, McKinsey says they control about $11 So it's going to almost triple. And that kind of wealth and buying power, I think, should have an impact on business owners and employers as to how they treat women now, you know, will affect them in the future.
1: Sure, certainly. I mean, I guess... I'm not surprised by what you're saying, but it's also when you, when you sort of couple that idea with if you are a woman and you're stepping away from your job right now to care for your children and you're no longer eligible for your 401k, right. that's an area where I would say to whatever degree possible, if you can be putting money aside, whether it's in an IRA on the side or a Roth IRA on the side, or uh, at least keep the 401k that you had going open so that it can continue to grow, even if you're not in the workforce.
0: And at the very least, treat your parents and your grandparents that much better. <laughs> 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 Who knows what will happen in the future? All right, always
1: one- honor your parents and your grandparents. That's oh, just always a good rule. I know this goes without saying, but uh, you know, I, I study the markets. I'm a historian of the markets, but I'm not a CPA like you. I'm not a financial advisor like you. So If you're listening to what I'm saying right now, thank you. But also talk to a financial advisor before you make any decisions with your money.
0: That's fine. And not that you're giving any kind of bad advice at all, but my listeners who listen to me get bad advice all the time from me. So (laughs) one final question before I let you go. I also saw on on your Twitter feed as well that you were traveling a little bit. Um, and I think what first time, like in a plane, I, I mean, we. That have, was, yeah. Okay, so you know, again, a lot of us are. I'm actually going for the first time since March. I'm traveling to Orlando for a conference. If you can believe somebody's actually doing a conference with live attendees. So, okay, what'd you learn? What advice do you have for your fellow business travelers?
1: So, I would say. Try your mask and your if you're going to wear a mask and goggles together, try it on beforehand to make sure it's very comfortable on the ground because my biggest mistake is I went out and I I got goggles from the local hardware store, support your local small business, And I didn't try them on ahead of time. So I I got to the airport and put on this whole, you know, suit essentially for travel. And um, I wish I had sort of adjusted it beforehand because my flight was a five and a half hour flight. And that was a long time to be somewhat uncomfortable. Although, uh, you know, I'm glad that I did it. I wouldn't change that. I also think that, you know, and I'm sure a lot of people will feel this way as well and just come into it this way. But I really felt for the flight attendants who were having to implement and enforce, not implement, but enforce the policies. It, it just seems to me so disrespectful. If if you're told at the beginning of a flight to have your mask on and that kind of thing, yep. these flight attendants are working so hard. Their industry is facing such a challenge right now. And you can only imagine the stress and the pressure that they are under to also have to feel like babysitters to people on the plane just seems really unfair to me. So I would suggest that think about them, even if you don't think about your fellow passengers and you don't agree with their their policies at least think about the human beings that are working so hard to make your flight safe and get you from point A to point B in a in a nice as nice as possible way. I will also say I felt really safe on my flights. I sat in a row my producer and I traveled together and we worked together regularly. So she and I sat in a row together. It, it's it's not an advertisement but we happen mm-hmm. to fly JetBlue and mm-hmm. she and I sat um, In a a row, we had the middle seat open between us and everybody on our flight was like that. Our flight was actually pretty empty and um, I felt really safe. I felt like everybody, I mean, TSA too, by the way, they're working really hard as well. And I have to commend them because everybody that I interacted with at the airport, all the people working were incredibly thoughtful and kind and um, I commend them for staying cool under the great amount of pressure that they're facing right now. And I would say I wasn't afraid. Um, I mean, I was a relatively uncertain, but um, my friend Gio Benitez at ABC news who covers transportation, talked to me a lot about it beforehand and told me how the flight situation is these days. Um, and uh and, and actually, I mean, the risk when you look at the, there's this new study that just came out from United and the Department of, right. of Transportation, I saw that yesterday. you saw that. Um, I, I think that's the kind of thing too, that makes you feel like, okay, people are taking this seriously, they're wearing their masks. I have, some, I have a degree of confidence in the whole thing, which feels good.
0: Did you wear an N95 mask? My sister's a doc, and that's what she told me to do, definitely wear an N95 mask. Yep,
1: I wore an N95, and um, I, I, again, happened to find it at the local drugstore. Again, I am trying as hard as I can to shop local and, and small as much as possible, and that's another piece of advice. I don't know if people They've probably figured out their own hacks at this point, but I highly recommend going to your local businesses if there's a piece, something that you want, whether it's the N95 mask or goggles or anything that you really need right now, you go to your small local business and tell them it's something you need. Either they might be able to order it for you or they'll let you know. I, I have my, uh, my drugstore text me if they get masks in. Um, now they have them in greater supply, but earlier on they would text me if they got them in and then I could just head right over and, and buy them.
0: Rebecca Jarvis is the chief business, economics, and technology correspondent for ABC News and the host and creator of the Dropout podcast, which chronicles the rise and fall of Theranos founder, Elizabeth Holmes. She can be found at Rebecca Jarvis, R-E-B-E-C-C-A-J-A-R-V-I-S. She is also an unabashed fan of Emily in Paris. <laughs> on Netflix. Rebecca, thanks a lot for joining me. Uh, for more great podcast episodes from the Paychex Business Series podcast and other information to help you run your business, please visit paychecks.com forward slash works, W-O-R-X. I'm Gene Marks. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again soon. This podcast is property of Paychex, Inc. 2020, all rights reserved.